سعداء أن تكونوا معنا في الإرساليات والجسور. Welcome to Bridges for Mission. Bienvenue au pont pour la mission. 欢迎聆听宣教桥梁。ยินดีต้อนรับสู่สะพานผ่านทิศทางของพระเจ้า。Well, hello everyone. Bridges for Mission. Here we go again. And today you are in for a treat. I have to say, listeners, you really don't want to miss this one. I mean, we say that, Minister Nicole. I have to. We say that all the time, right? Each one, each of our episodes are just so beautiful. But, but this one especially. <laughs> so I would say, grab grab your your um your beverage, your tea, coffee, water, um. While we're doing our our introduction, but、um, we have a special guest with us today. Bill Pope is with us,、uh, and it's a name that you don't you want to write. You want to know who he is and who he represents and his ministry and all that.、Um, and we'll tell you more. And he will introduce himself as well.、Um, we're as you know, we're in our season nine. We just celebrated two years of. Having bridges for mission,、um, uh, Reverend Sandra Dorsonville, and with Minister Nicole Cox as the co-creator, whatever other title. <laughs> all, all the labels that we use, yeah. <laughs> all the labels we use,、um, and this season is really facing the challenges on the field, as we are God's ambassadors serving as hands and feet of Christ. But how do we face the challenges? How are we prepared for those challenges? And and However, they come.、Um, so today we're talking insurance.、Um, so I will turn it over to Minister Nicole Cox, who will start the conversation with our guest, Bill Pope. Thank you, Sandra. Yes. So, like I say all the time as well, today is just a day for repeating.、Um, I feel like so as we usually start off with our podcast, we love to ask the question, "Who is our guest?" So, Bill, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Uh, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and happily married for 41 years.、Uh, I felt called into the pastoral ministry while serving on the field in Honduras, and came back after having served there for a year and completed college. Went on to seminary and earned、uh, my DMN, and then continued to.、Uh, Uh, I mean, my MDiv, and then I continued to earn my DMN. Pastored uh, uh, for 23 years and led probably、uh, in the neighborhood of 60、uh, international mission trips myself. And so, when the Lord was calling me out of the pulpit ministry、uh, and more into the bivocational ministry. Uh, I was looking for an area that I could serve in the、uh, in, in the area of my passion, and that was missions. And I think、uh, when people hear insurance, there's a I don't know if it's their blood pressure drops or their blood pressure goes up. I don't know which it is, but there's not a level of enthusiasm. But if you understand that insurance is a promise. Then you can understand the ministry and how insurance fits into the ministry of 
missions, whether it's domestic uh, missions or international missions or long-term missionary service. And so I wanted to be a part of something that, uh, like the gospel, is a promise based on the foundation of what Christ has done for us. Uh, but I wanted to be a part of ministering to people uh, in a way that was faithful as well. And so insurance was a good fit for me. And so in 2005, we started Mission Safe. And by God's grace, uh, we now are able to participate with uh, churches and ministries, uh, schools that are serving all around the world. So it's been a great blessing. Amen. It definitely sounds like a, a full and very exciting life. Thank you for introducing yourself. Um, so staying on the topic of insurance for um, for volunteers, how crucial is it for short-term volunteers to have adequate um, emergency insurance when they're serving outside of the U.S.? Really, uh, I think that's a common question because so many people Im immediately jump to uh, the worst case scenario, I'm away from home, something critical happens, it's an emergency, oh my, what do I do? And I think the answer to that question is based on what you have done in preparation for that moment. It's not just in that moment, what can you do? It's what's been put in place for a moment. I mean, let's take the words of, of Esther, for such a time as this, you know, what has happened ahead of time. Uh, I think the first thing is to understand that what I'm about to say is true, both for international uh, travel as well as domestic travel. Uh, I, I think first of all that having the right type of coverage with the right benefit uh, amounts in place and the right types of benefits in your plan really shows uh, a proactive approach to caring for the traveler. It really shows that the ministry has taken seriously uh, the ministry of shepherding and caring for those that are traveling. Uh, so it's a, it's a proactive rather than uh, in the heat of the moment, just reacting. And that ability to demonstrate proactiveness really brings confidence to the family members of those that are dealing with the emergency. They can, everyone knows that you can't just bubble wrap people and send them out on the mission field, that things happen, but they really wanna know, have you proactively done everything that you can to be prepared for that moment? Or are you just uh, shooting from the hip and, and reacting to everything? So. That's my first answer, first part of the answer. I think the second part deals with uh, a little bit more of the legal side of things, understanding that the percentage that the ministry or the sending organization controls the agenda of the trip, whatever that percentage is, if it's 50-50, if it's 100%, whatever it is, that that is the percentage of responsibility that the ministry is going to bear. Everybody kind of starts wondering, well, who, who's at fault? Who, who's at risk? And is it the missionary overseas? Is it the organization that controlled the vehicle overseas? Or is it 
the hospital overseas or is it the church or the ministry? And just to cut through all of that very cleanly, uh, the sending organization to the degree that you control the agenda of the trip and the activities of the individual, to that percentage, you bear in the United States the legal responsibility for uh, that care and, and the protection of that act during that activity. And so having the right kind of care is, is really important, uh, but it's essential for the ministry as much as it is for the individual. Uh, I think one of the things that uh, needs to be included in that type of care uh, is making sure that you're able to stay connected both to the sending organization from a communication, but also that your family or loved one uh, can be involved in your care. So if you're overseas, uh, how, how are they going to be able to get to you? How, how are they going to be able to be a part of the support and care uh, while you are uh, recovering? So those are uh, I think it's critically important that you have an adequate um, adequate coverage, but it's in so many ways, not just the insurance benefit itself. Yeah. I think, and thank you for raising that and, and, and stating it in, in different ways for folks to, to really grasp what you're, the depth of it, because um, we often forget, and it ties in with a question that we have later as far as duty of care, but um, for some, for a loved one, um, who's left, you know, let's say in the U.S. and then um, the volunteer, the relative is serving and being God's ambassadors, you know, yep. far away, thousands of miles away and hears of um, an emergency that has happened. So the, the interest becomes that, that bridge builder. Yes. And, but the, who's the responsibility, who bears the responsibility and who, you know, um, and how do we navigate and how do we help walk uh, with everybody concerned as well? Um, just what a, would you say? Just a miracle. Let me just briefly uh, sure. share just a miracle with you in that. Young woman was traveling with a group and she was in uh, uh, Tanzania and was serving there. And uh, she began to have uh, pain in her abdomen. And so the, the local doctor was treating her for different, different reasons uh, for her symptoms. But one of the beautiful things about the international medical insurance is that you have a link to a US-based doctor that is working with the on-site doctor. And the purpose of that is to make sure that all US medical protocols are being followed. And so uh, the doctor in Tanzania was continuing to try and deal with uh, all kinds of uh, uh, other pain uh, symptoms. And the US doctor with the insurance company said, no, these symptoms indicate uh, appendicitis and we want her treated for appendicitis. And so they paid to fly her from Tanzania to Nairobi to a first-class hospital in Nairobi. And then they also paid for her mother 
who was in Nebraska that had never traveled internationally in her life, didn't have a passport. And so they worked to help the mother get a passport, fly to Minneapolis, then from Minneapolis, fly all the way to uh, Nairobi to be with her daughter for the surgery for a ruptured appendix. Wow. And uh, so when you ask me about how important is it, well, it, it almost depends on who you're talking about. There's more than just the, the patient in this scenario. There's the family, there's the doctor, there's the oversight uh, so that the ministry is being represented well. There's, it, so it is vitally important to each partner of the person that is on the mission trip. Thank you for this beautiful, this example. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and with that, would you say, what are two critical insurances that volunteers need to have when they are going as God's ambassadors, serving and being the hands and feet of Christ? Well, we've mentioned uh, one called family reunion. That's where there is a separate bucket of money. There, there's a bucket of money that pays for the medical expenses. And then there's a bucket of money that pays for uh, getting a family member uh, united with the patient. Uh, I think that's an important one because there's uh, it, it, it shows that the ministry has had the foresight to recognize the need and the validity of the, the family community in the care. Uh, and well-being and, and healing process. And so I think uh, family reunion is an important one. And then another one that I think is, is unique, but vitally important, um, it, we, it's called a continuation of care. Continuation of care is, is not something that we're used to uh, with our domestic insurance. But So let me just take just a brief moment to explain it. If you have domestic insurance and then you have a short-term international policy and then you become uh, hurt or sick overseas, the care that you receive overseas when it starts, the date that you go to see a doctor or you get your diagnosis or whatever it is, the date that's on that receipt, that policy even though it might only be paid for to last seven days or 10 days, that policy on that particular problem will stay in force and available to the insured for up to 12 months from the date on that receipt. Now, let's say that they're only on a 10-day trip and they uh, step off of a bus or step off of a curb and they twist their ankle. And in this scenario, they, they go to a clinic, the clinic takes a, uh, an X-ray, said, uh, we think it's a bad sprain. And they wrap it with ACE bandage. Uh, the total bill, let's say it's $100. And you come back to the United States, now your trip is over, you've come back to the United States, but you have the receipts from what happened when you were overseas. And those receipts uh, have your name on it. They'll have a date. 
and they'll have a, a, some paperwork about the diagnosis. It was your right ankle that was swollen. And here's the prescription for anti-inflammatory. Then let's say that your ankle continues to hurt uh, a week or two after you've gotten back to the United States. And you go to your uh, primary doctor here in the United States and they take another x-ray and they find out that there's a small bone that is broken. And so now you're going to have to have a cast, then there'll be other x-rays, then there'll be physical therapy, et cetera. Now, that's everything that's happening on the medical side. On the insurance side, in your domestic plan, let's say that you have a $5,000 deductible, which is very common, $5,000, and you haven't met that deductible. So what you would do is file your claim, both with the international medical insurance and the domestic. At the same time, the domestic insurance is going to deny your claim for one of two reasons. Number one, uh, you haven't met your full deductible yet. Or number two, you don't have any international benefits on your plan. And so once they complete their claims process and they deny it, then they issue a, a letter called a explanation of benefits and they send that to you. And that basically means we have completed our claims process. Then you continue to send that and we come along and help if needed. Then you send that once again as a follow-up to the international because they've just held your claim and pending, waiting for your domestic carrier to finish their process. And then once they have this document, they know there's not gonna be any fraud. You're not gonna be double paid. So once they get this document, then they complete the process and pay the bill or reimburse you, whichever is the case. And the beautiful thing, one of the beautiful things is that whatever is paid is also applied as a credit to your deductible. So if the total bill costs $3,000, then the insurance company would pay that $3,000 but on your domestic, you would get credit on your deductible for $3,000. And so it uh, works. Uh, so the reason to, to your question, I think continuation of benefits is an important, continuation of treatment is an important benefit because it links your domestic insurance with the international insurance. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'll turn it over. I mean... Listeners, we um, we can really spend a couple of episodes on on insurance, and we will do that. But um, we just wanted to really also give you a taste of all of that special ministry and all that it encompasses, and and so much more. Um, and I realize we're just scratching the surface, but we promise. Just hold tight; <laughs> we will come back. Uh, but I want to give um, Nicole just. Um, chance to ask her question. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for that explanation. It is, it's so helpful. Um, and in thinking about the different, um, the different aspects of the travel insurance, what does medical value, excuse me, medical evacuation provide to short-term, um, servants when they're traveling along? Yes. Uh, it, it's different per con per company, but let me give you what the general rule is. So when a person 
uh, has an injury or an illness and the standard of whether it moves to an emergency evacuation or they try to treat it locally is when there is the risk of loss of life or loss of limb. So that's the criteria that is being used that in a given situation, do we need to medically evacuate or do we, do we work with the local uh, medical provider? So if the decision and the determination is made uh, by the medical providers, both locally and in concert with the insurance company, then the uh, insurance company has contracts all around the world. So from the, from the closest provider, then they will send in, which is basically a flying ambulance. It's a Learjet that has doctors and nurses and and it's, it's just like what you would see in an emergency room. And so it's for the purpose of transporting and stabilizing. And so they're not flying you back to the United States on that thing because they tend to do, go low altitude because of pressurization in the cabin. So they're not trying to fly across the, the, the ocean. So they're taking you to stabilize you. Now, once you're stabilized and you receive what is called a fit to fly uh, designation from a doctor that is treating you, then the, the individual, depending on the length of their service time, they're either released and uh, pay, their transportation is paid to go back to the country that they came from, where the, if they need to continue the service, or if they're not able to continue their service or their service was completed, then it flies them back home to their nearest airport where they designate home is. Not everybody gets flown back to New York or to Atlanta or wherever they fly them, wherever the family designates is the most convenient for them. Thank you so much. Um, my last question with that um, is what is one thing that you feel volunteers should always travel with? If there is uh, a thing as just one thing, but. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna pull a fast one on you here. I, I'm gonna have one thing inside of another thing, okay? Go for uh, it. <laughs> I, I, you gotta have your passport. And I know that sounds silly, but until you've experienced a medical emergency, uh, what you don't realize is that when you are admitted into a hospital, they take your passport. So if you don't have a passport, they're not going to admit you. So you have to have a passport to be admitted. And that is their guarantee of payment. So I would have my passport, but inside of my passport, I would have my medical ID card because it has all the contact information that the hospital will need to begin the payment process. And uh, you want to get out of the hospital as soon as you can. And if you don't start on that on the front end of your admitting process, if you wait till the back end, then you're going to end up staying extra days that really weren't needed and they're, they're costly. So I would have my passport uh, so that it could function as a uh, 
what the hospital will accept as payment up front. And secondly, I would have my medical ID card inside my pack. Wonderful. Thank you. I think our listeners have a lot. Um, they received a lot of information um, and um, the clarification about around medical evacuation, which is often, you know, one of the questions that we get. Um, yes, it is. Um, and just and understanding that it's really to stabilize the, the situation, the medical condition. Um, yes. Yeah. So, but Bill, we'll have to have you back. Uh, because be I know a, it'll be a treat. Thank you. We just scratched the surface, but we really wanted to, to let our listeners who at this point, I don't know if um, folks realize we are closing, we are close to 4,000 followers. Um, praise the is, Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, people are wanting to know more, are, are thirsty for more information. So if what you heard generated some additional questions, please send us an email. Volunteers at internationalministries.org. And um, those are questions we can come back um, and have Bill answer them and have be part of that table conversation with us again. So. So once again, thank you, Bill, for today. Um, Minister Nicole. My pleasure. Thank you. Any last word? No, just thank you so much. Um, the explanations were fantastic, and I look forward to the next time you're with us. I do as well. Thank you. I pray the Lord's blessing on each one of you and those that are listening as well. Amen. Thank you, Bill. We thank you for listening to Bridges for Mission. You can find more information about the Short-Term Mission Office at internationalministries.org. Also, don't forget to get a hold of the new leader's guide entitled Short-Term Mission Team Essentials Together on the Journey. Uh, you can find this on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Book Baby, and that we are so glad that you joined us today. So thank you for all the subscribers and from listening from all continents. Thank you and have a good one. <music>